The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following is a BasketballNews.com production. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Uh, today I am your host Yasmin and I'm joined by my co-host Iman uh, to talk about a few things, um, starting with uh, your Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat. Uh, imagine saying that just several months ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've had an amazing <laughs> run. <laughs> um, they've had an amazing run. Um, I feel like they've been responsible for um, a couple of just unpredictable series outcomes, um, beating Indiana, beating the Milwaukee Bucks, and now beating the Boston Celtics, who were absolutely the favorite in that series. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the Miami Heat are representing the East, only because every series I kind of just made an excuse. You know, you had the first round matchup. Um, versus the Indiana Pacers, and I kind of chalked that up to no Sabonis and an injured Oladipo, and then they do what they did to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I was I just thought that you know their roster, the Bucks roster, is simply inadequate, and that they were exposed as fraudulent. And then you had what they did to the Boston Celtics um, with a, a present Gordon Hayward. I think he came back a couple games in um, and gave them some bench minutes, um, but they were thoroughly outplayed. And could have very easily have taken the series in five um, by, you know, just completely outplaying the Boston Celtics. They had better bench producers. Their stars were better. Um, Jimmy Butler and Bama Adebayo outplayed Kemba Walker, outplayed Jason Tatum the series. And it was kind of amazing to see. Um, Iman, what did you take away from that series, if anything, um, regarding both teams? Um, yeah, like, this entire Miami Heat run is really special. They're a five seed. They're literally a five seed. So if this was like a regular playoff scenario, they wouldn't have had home court in any of the series that they played, which I don't think would have necessarily mattered. I'm I'm not taking anything away from them. I think that they had, um, this is just such a special run. And Jimmy and Bam are such special players. And I'm so glad we get to see that. Like, I've been one of the biggest Jimmy supporters. I think always thought he was really special and part of that is probably because I watched most of his games against the Toronto Raptors and right <laughs> he had he literally had a 40 point second half against the Raptors once no, so, historically he's um, killed us he yeah he's just been a, an absolute beast against the Toronto Raptors so I've always seen him as as a superstar as a, a star in this league at the very least um but also like I would have loved to see a Toronto Raptors Miami Heat series. And I'm like, so sad that that's the one that we didn't get because I have been hammering it. I, I agree with you on the points about Indiana. They were injured. Um, and yeah, like TJ Warren was just not going to be their superstar in that series. Um, but 
the Milwaukee Bucks, I've been hammering home the fact that they're fraudulent all year long. I did it all throughout the bubble. People thought that they would turn it on. And I'm like, where's the switch? What switch are they flipping <laughs> in the playoffs? I was saying that they were uh, that they were in trouble from the moment uh, they got in the bubble and they just didn't look like the same team. So and and you saw the matchup issues that they had with with the Miami Heat. We saw what the Miami Heat did against them in the regular season. And and then the Boston Celtics are also a team where, in all honesty, if if Boston just had better late game execution, they would have the won this series. Surprising thing about this, um, seeing how even in the Raptors series, um, the Raptors like they. I think the first strange sign about the Boston Celtics was that. The Raptors took it down to seven games and basically a single possession with their star player forgetting how to play offensive basketball, which is, yeah. I guess that can be seen as kind of a bad omen because when it was a tight game, I was generally comfortable with the Raptors executing better than the Celtics. Like, mm-hmm. I think we've seen it through the playoffs and then in the Heat series that when it comes to late game scenarios, their, you know, beautiful egalitarian system with those open threes for Smart and for Hayward and for Jalen Brown kind of falls falls apart. And then you have several players trying to do hero ball and literally like clockwork. And Celtics fans themselves have kind of been complaining about how the team kind of delves into this um, uh, ISO kind of Olympics thing whenever things seem to go wrong. Everyone wants to get that hero three. Everyone wants to get the sidestep uh, game winner or whatever. But generally, their youth just really shines through when it comes to, um, and you know, that those late game scenarios. And, you know, the Heat, they just played their game. They stayed steady. They weren't phased by uh, lost leads, by big leads. They just com- continued to play their system, to play their free-flowing um, and opportunistic uh, kind of style of offense, which is like, it kind of reminds me of the Raptors in that sense. Um, you know, I think that series definitely would have been a fun one to see. And I think it was someone from the Ringer who noted that these playoffs, you know, in the age of no super teams today, in today's NBA, um, every team is flawed. You know what I mean? And yeah. when it comes down to it, it's about matchup nowadays. I think it's yeah. going to be like that until 2021 when the league basically shakes up again and a lot of teams are going to look different. But right now, anyone can win based on matchups. And they noted that if the Milwaukee Bucks were instead matched up with the Boston Celtics and if the yeah, Raptors I said that were on the instead, last episode. Yeah, instead matched up with the uh, Miami Heat, the Eastern Conference Finals could look a lot different. Um, oh, just, 100%. Just based I, on matchups because, you know, you look at it, um, the Raptors and the Heat match up really well. And then you look at the other side of it where, you know, Giannis historically uh, stresses the Buc- the Boston Celtics because they really have nobody of Bam's um, stature to deal with him. So uh, it's, it's I think it makes next season even more interesting for us fans because the Raptors are you know, in a fine position to kind of just do this all over again and try and capture that magic that they've had this season and maybe benefit from a more organized arrangement that's not an NBA bubble. But yeah, that's that's been like the the story of these playoffs that everything is everything you know about basketball is kind of wrong. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I was agreeing so hard. I don't know if people heard that. I like cracked my fingers, my head was just sort of nodding <laughs> along. Um but uh but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think um um the Boston Celtics, to me it, it seemed like they 
shot themselves in the foot in this series. And and like you said, it was this very ISO heavy, like everyone trying to play hero ball and get their shots off. I mean, the Raptors, it, it, like you said, Pascal Siakam had a disastrous series. Like he did on the offensive end, he did. And I've been defending Pascal Siakam, but it, it like, yeah, there's the no offense way to sort of- there for him. It was it was not there. Like he dribbled like a guy who has never held a basketball in yeah. his life before. Yeah. Um and so it wasn't even just like his shots weren't going in. It was like he just fundamentally did not know how to do anything on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And so, um and, and it still came down to the final possessions. Like, I maintain, <laughs> maybe this is just me believing too hard in my point guard, but I maintain, uh, had Kyle Lowry not fall, uh, fouled out of that game, <laughs> a single possession with, like, at, like 30-some-odd seconds left on the clock, I think that the Raptors, uh, you know, could have made it out there. I, I just, we would have gotten a better look than than the team got with, with Fred Van Vliet um, putting on his, his uh, impersonation <laughs> of the Celtics there. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that the I think that the Boston Celtics are a flawed team and like you said we saw it in the Raptors series it should not have gone as long as it did with the Raptors um with with Pascal Siakam not playing like Pascal Siakam at like, all yeah no uh, yeah that was kind that. of that was the first um sign of it and not even just Pascal yeah. it's Norman Powell being invisible most of the series it was Marcus Saul Norman playing. Norm like to say that Norm was invisible I think honestly gives him a little bit of credit because there were a lot especially in game seven uh, and i was just thinking where he was an active minus yeah i had a bunch of people he there were a lot of really boneheaded fouls by norman powell it was like he was a rookie out there that just couldn't contain himself like it there were a lot of moments where i mean there was an opportunity for him to tie the game up i don't know why i don't want to bring up the, the the game too much but like there was like a minute or two minutes left in the game and there was an opportunity for him to for him to tie it up he was on a fast break there were three uh celtics right in front of him and he decided to try and finish over them and of course it didn't work and then um, i don't know if you saw this but when the timeout was called kyle was kind of telling him how he should have just hesitated and let them fly over him, which Kyle would have absolutely have done. You know, when you have the fast break and there are guys running full speed behind you, you just got to stop and they'll go flying. You know, um, you just gotta, and, and Kyle, Kyle has a little bit of a caboose that Norm doesn't have. He can, he can create a little bit more room doing it. Yeah. When you consider, but, like, I don't see how Terrence Davis would have done much worse, to be honest. Like, I think yeah, instead you might have Yeah, it was, it was literally gotten, like. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say it was literally like rookie mistake. It was just like, it didn't feel like Norman Powell, who always comes up in these big moments. And then Fred Van Vliet, like, there's no way to, there's no way to say, like, you have a single possession left in the, I'm not, okay, I, I don't want to bring up the game too much. You can <laughs> find my tweets about fair, it. <laughs> to be fair to Fred, the initial play was kind of snuffed out by the Celtics. It was supposed to be like a, sure. a, a play for Norm to get an open three, and then, it kind of, as time was running out, he had to resort to, like, taking Grant uh, Williams off the dribble, who, you know, honestly, he's a great was, defender. <laughs> but, not, but even, but even, but even before, it was even before he had to get, uh, before Grant Williams came out to him, like, even before that surge screen that was set, it was just, like, the oh, play. no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even, you can read my tweets. I, I, I went into, I did a quick little. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I know. I but, literally, um, no, I meant I literally said, oh, no, when I saw what Fred was about to do. <laughs> I just, oh, God. But anyways, anyway, let bygones be bygones. Besides, yeah, besides that series, I think that the Celtics, like, to me, the Heat 
obviously won the series. I'm not going to take any credit away from them, but it's not like the Celtics did not shoot themselves in the foot at the same time. Like, and, and that's kind of a thing with the Celtics. Like when we talk about these sort of flawed teams, the Celtics do have a lot of one-on-one guys. They yeah. have a lot that, of creators. I, they don't have a lot. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, no, you're 100% with, right. With Gordon out, yeah. they didn't have a lot of playmakers. He was their best mm-hmm. playmaker, and he's he's a wing, right? And he, mm-hmm. and he was coming back from injury. He missed a lot of time. They just don't have that. And so when they see the zone, it was just, like, absolute catastrophe for them. And then Bam, of course, Bam was, like, absolutely – he's tall. <laughs> the Celtics don't have a lot of those guys. But yeah. um, the, the Miami Heat, I think, that to me, that was a great – um, it was a great series for them. I, I really thought that the ball, I'm not going to take anything away from the Miami Heat having said all of that because I thought that the Boston Celtics would still beat them in that series. Like, I am surprised that it's the Miami Heat coming out in six games. Um, and you, yeah, maybe if late game offense went a different way in a couple of those games early on in the series, we wouldn't be talking about this, but it was consistent. And so I think credit has to go to Miami at a certain point because in game six, in game six, the Celtics had a lead in the fourth quarter and ended up losing by like a trillion points. Like credit has to, you know, credit goes to Miami. I think that they've had a fantastic run. This has been such an incredible um, run for them. Having said that, I would have loved if they faced the Toronto Raptors, but no, it's a beautiful run for them. And then out on the other side is LeBron James. So this is like a really fun, uh, LeBron versus his old team yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. No, I you I agree with everything you said. Um, specifically with the Celtics, like at some point we're gonna have to stop saying that this team is you know this team is more talented. You know they have the they have the more talent. Like outside of that's the, because their wins, they have a lot of creators. Like that's what we look yeah, at as talent, like, though. It, but that's what we're looking at, right? Exactly. Like I think how we understand talent versus how we understand what makes a whole team. Like it's two separate things. Like with the Celtics, they have all of these hundred percent. Um, they have all of these capable scorers and finishers, but they don't have like they resorting to they're resorting to Marcus Smart being that glue guy, and he's not adequate. He's not consistent enough, and he too gets into that ISO play. Like as we saw, where he attempted twenty one shots as their like fifth option, <laughs> which is just completely inexcusable. Um, but yeah, like that team. Hey, is they just, live and died by him. Okay, he got the by him. You need someone. I feel like they need someone who's like. It's so funny how I think that Lowry would fit so much better than Kemba. <laughs> Like oh, he, but that you're exactly right, and that's I was thinking that the entire time you were speaking because that's exactly how we look at talent. We look at talent as guys who can create for themselves. We look at talent as guys who can finish really well and score, and that's what we see as talent, not the way that a team is built. And Kyle Lowry is such a special player, and, and Jimmy went on Butler and about it in the last. Jimmy Butler is such a special player. Bam Adebayo, like all of these guys are such special players for the way that they're able to sort of fit and bring teams together. I think Jimmy and, and Kyle are perfect examples of this, and and Marcus Smart is that. I would say. But to a lesser extent, yeah, uh, he's just not of the cal- he's not the caliber of player of of a Kyle or a Jimmy. And so, when you're asking him to be that, of course, we see the flaws in it. But um, I think mm-hmm. in terms of roster creation, we're seeing a lot of the flaws with that with the Boston Celtics because. Yeah, they're 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 touted as like they have the best ATO coach. They they're such an egalitarian offense, but at the end of the day, they just have a bunch of ISO creators, and yeah. they throw um, Raptors throughout the zone, and they didn't know what to do. Uh, the Miami Heat throughout the zone, and they didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. and. I mean, like, when you have to play Ennis Cantor to break that, there's an issue. When the Miami Heat continue to put that out and you don't know what to do, there's an issue there. So I think in terms of team creation, I think think you made a really sort of apt point in that um, the way that we value 
um, talent doesn't it doesn't fit in the way that like how does a team work and how do they gel together because Kyle's underrated in that sense Jimmy Butler's yeah. underrated in that sense no one pegs them as these superstar guys but they're exactly what you need to make any team around them fit I would say Kyle more so than Jimmy just because of the three-point shot but whatever <laughs> no I agree and Kyle is a, a playmaking <laughs> playmaking and yeah yeah like just a better but Jimmy is, is like he fits around better but you see Jimmy kind of um I, I find I think I ranked him about the same because of Jimmy's you know late game defense like those passing lane steals and, and late game uh, offense and late game offense too. So I and the fact and that he's a little offense, taller. Yeah. I would yeah. like my whole thing. I think we talked about this. Yeah, no, we talked. We talked about this exactly this earlier in the season where we were looking at who on the Raptors. My biggest thing was like Demar's gone, and yes, I've I've said my fair share about Demar Derozan, but Demar's gone, Kawhi Leonard's gone. Who right. is the Raptors' yeah, that wing, wing for? Who yeah. is that guy that can get you that bucket? And we went through. I think it was me and you. We were going through um, the rosters in the Eastern Conference and being like. Is Every Jimmy team. the only one? Yeah. <laughs> Who is that guy? Yeah, no, you said that. I remember. Tatum hadn't, yeah, because Jimmy's always been my guy for that, right? And I'm yeah. like, Tatum hadn't, this was probably back in November, so Tatum, Tatum hadn't grown into the type and of player And even then, that he I don't think Tatum, today. Is, he's not quite there in terms of decision Well, making. we saw, we, we yeah. saw it in both of these series. The Celtics just did not have late game offense. Yeah. Like, they, they, the fact that game seven came down to the final possession is proof of that. The fact that they, in game six, lost a, a, a cushion in the fourth and absolutely got destroyed uh, proves that. But we literally went through and I was just like, it's Jimmy Butler. Yep. And that's what we're seeing. And so, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, you were, you were vindicated. <laughs> I feel vindicated. Jimmy yeah. Butler's always been my guy. I will say, though, for the Raptors and for that, 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 um, that series versus the Celtics, it showed me that maybe OG can be that guy moving forward. Like I just terms, smiled so hard. <laughs> yeah, like no, because we 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 see with Pascal where he's like, I don't I don't see him leaving that framework of just being a power forward and perhaps a power forward that has yeah. like more of an outside game. I think that's going to be like yeah. who he is moving forward. But OG yeah. has like this this vibe about him where he can become like a off the dribble create. Like I think we saw him make literally almost all his mid range shots in that series. Um, you know, he might not be the best at uh, getting to the basket at will or finishing over guys, but I, 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 I see the vision. Like, I, I think that you know, I'm not. 20- I don't know that I'm with you on that I, just yet. But, it wouldn't even. It doesn't even have to, to be it. to like. It doesn't even have to be to like um, a huge degree. Like, look at mm. the um, the the you know the 2015 championship um, uh, Warriors, where they would use like a Sean Livingston to be that you know, wing creator in the in-between, with the in-between game. It doesn't have to be, like, a superstar, per se. Like, you even see in the Boston Celtics series, someone mentioned that Jimmy Butler was not the lead scorer in any game in that series, which is telling. Like, you got to pick your spots, and you got to create opportunity when, yeah. um, you know, um, wait, am I cutting out? You're cutting out. out for me, but I just assumed you're... Okay. Yeah, you're cutting out yeah, for it's me. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's just about picking your spots and being um, someone that they can rely on when things get sticky, which doesn't have to be frequently, but, you know, we saw how Kawhi would just kind of... He's... he's. I feel like the Kawhi and Jimmy and whatnot, they're like superstar versions of that prototype, you know, that archetype player. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, no, we'll I see. agree with what you're saying. 
Um, in that, like, yeah, if the Raptors have Pascal Siakam or even Giannis, like, I feel like people want that from Giannis, and that's just not his game. I think in the he, same way that you're saying, game. I think his he, future they're, is they're like power bad. forwards. They're they're yeah, they're bigs. They're like Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, like big men. The fact that we want them to have this face up game, the fact that we want them to be able to create off the dribble, and like they're not Kawhi Leonard, they're they're big men exactly. Um, and yeah, if the Raptors have a big man that's a star. Um, or they have a guard that's a star, like similar to sort of the the Golden State Warriors where there are stars around you, then you can have your wing creator sort of be a, a lesser guy in exactly, terms of the yeah. offense. Yeah, 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 which so. is what I thought that the Raptors would really have this year in Norm Powell. But yeah. like, I was like, it could exactly. be that Norm could have been that guy where I'm like, he's not going to be the focal point of this team's offense, mm-hmm. but he can be that guy late in games. Like you can give him the ball and ask him to create and the Raptors. And he's done it all season, you know? to be fair. <laughs> He did it all season, has, to be yeah, fair. He has. Yeah, but it I'll just didn't... say, like, to me, like, this talk about bubble, and, and we can talk a little bit about this, uh, about the asterisks in the bubble. I think that it needs to exist just in when we talk about that, where it's like, hey, this guy was doing this all season, and then it's not like he just didn't do it in the playoffs, and it's like, well, you know, playoffs came, and he just shrunk. It's like, there were eight seeding games. There was the net series, which is not a playoff series. Like, I think that there's, there's room to say, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks were special all year round, something changed in having a four-month layoff. No, um, absolutely. Like, you even see it in Pascal's game where Pascal he struggled didn't in the touch Mets a series. Basketball. He struggled he in the Mets series. He you know struggled I mean? in the seeding games. Like, he, he struggled did, in the seeding games. Like, I don't there think was he, something I think he had off. one seeding game. There was something very off. Pascal Siakam looked like he did not know how to dribble a basketball. Like, just completely um, uncomfortable out there. And, no, I, I I think you're 100% correct where we're seeing both ends of the spectrum. We're seeing... Um, people just reaching another level of play. And we're also, yeah. like, I think we saw it with a few players. I think we even saw Devin it with, Booker. A bit with, uh, with Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Kyle Lowry yeah. was just another level that, you know, uh, that he, I think is he had one of his most signature playoff moments throughout the Celtics series. And then you have um, the other end of the spectrum. To be fair, I would say for Kyle, that has more to do with him needing to do that for the team, right? Because it's like, yeah, they, in years enough, past, yeah. there was Damar and Kawhi alongside him, where it was like, now it was just Kyle. Pascal Siakam was not beside him. Yeah, yeah. I know that's valid. Um well, to be fair, Demar wasn't there sometimes too. <laughs> but sure, no, sure. But like it, the the idea was that Demar was. You no, know no. I, I, like the ball <laughs> still went to Demar. He's still being asked to do it, even if he didn't show up. You know. No, I I understand what you're saying. But and then we're seeing the other end of the spectrum, and I think that the, it, it's valid for the Clippers too. Yeah, you know where that layoff really kind of just crumbled what was kind of already um, trying to establish, like. That that layoff um, kind of set them backwards in the progress that they were making. Yeah, which I think is fair enough to say. Um, I, I think it's not, fair to say for the Houston Rockets too. Russ Houston had Rockets COVID. too. I think that the Houston <laughs> Rockets were finding a rhythm that they completely yeah, lost. Russ had COVID. We would not literally be, like, had COVID. Like, like this is just and and I think that like um t- to put an asterisk on this just because I feel like people are going to get upset does not mean that anyone is demeaning this championship. Like it, yeah. The guys still went out, beat the team in front of them, which was exactly what they're supposed to do, and they made it to exactly where they're supposed to go. All credit to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. Having said that, we nobody, nobody in the history of the world would want to replicate this season. 
at all. <laughs> like there's there's no time where we're like, yeah, you know what? Let's Remember have a season where year? we stop <laughs> where we stop in March and then guys are gonna come back in July and they're gonna be away from the and all this stuff is gonna happen. We're gonna throw them. Nobody's gonna wanna replicate that. Now this I wrote is a, I, weird I wrote about season. this. I, yeah. I wrote about it for Yahoo where I said that um the bubble this this championship will absolutely have an asterisk, but mm. it's you're never gonna forget it at the same time. Like this is going to be a, yeah. a extraordinarily memorable champion, whoever wins. Um, whether people um, rank it as among, like you could even, I could see people ranking this as among the best playoffs as well. Because what this we saw, fun. yeah, through this postseason was just amazing. Whether it's sustainable moving forward, or whether there uh, were outside variables that just made this an, such an unorthodox year, that's another conversation. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, it is. This is definitely um, a year that will have a an asterisk next to it and then the footnote will mention all of these things that had happened and whether you think that it makes it a more valuable championship or a less valuable championship is up to your personal opinion but it absolutely does have an asterisk next to it and that's not a bad thing i don't think it's a bad thing at all i don't i don't think it's a bad thing um who are you rooting for in the uh <laughs> we just spoke about this earlier on raptors group chat um yeah i i'm rooting for I'm going to say I'm rooting for nobody, but I would prefer that LeBron <laughs> wins. Okay. I would, I would prefer the, the Lakers win, uh, one, because um, I think that um, they've been playing amazing, for, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. They're deserving, I think, of winning. I think that uh, people had so many doubts about them throughout the season that they've just kind of um, put on its head. Um, and I think that AD, I, I think it would be such an amazing thing for AD to finally demand leaving that um you know, cursed, uh, leaving a cursed franchise <laughs> that he felt kind of wasted his, um, you know, early years and coming to LA and immediately delivering would be just absolute insanity for him. Uh, but at the same time, coming out of the East, I would prefer that the only champions be the Raptors moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Preach. So, um, I would rather not have anyone win from the East until the Raptors are ready to contend at that level again, period. That's it. I'm sorry if it's, if, if it's a homer wow. opinion. But that's, how, that's just how I feel. I think that Jimmy finally made it to the finals. I really came into this. I really came into this being like, yeah, like, like with you being like, ah, I'm not going to root against anyone, but probably like I'm, I'm cheering for LeBron James to get to get another one just because I want the, the legend of LeBron to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm with you now. I don't want any team in the East to win a championship. Like, you literally convinced me. There was no argument being made besides you saying it, but I'm convinced. Yeah, no, like, I don't want the, I don't want a team in the East to win. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want any team to win until the Raptors are ready, whether it be next season, whether it be when we get Giannis. (laughs) I love the status quo. Let's keep the status quo. LeBron wins, Los Angeles Lakers win. That is the status quo until the Toronto Raptors can come back and and do something. I love it. I'm here for it. Exactly. Exactly. So we let (laughs) Jimmy have his glory. We let Jimmy get to the finals and people will always remember that Jimmy Butler led a young Miami team to the finals and, you know, he's one of our favorite players Oof. and he got that glory but <laughs> let's nip this in the butt <laughs> i love it i'm here for it all right so the the actual topic of today's episode you know that now that we reviewed the ongoings of <laughs> that the was playoffs, a dish we're, we're doing dishes and dimes that, that, was, was, a, that dish. was a dish segment that was a dish. we have dished so we're gonna have a chat about the raptor starting five and 
I didn't give it much thought uh, throughout the season because the season was just so enjoyable and took my attention away from the, you know, off-season talks. But the Raptors have genuinely one of the most interesting off-seasons in front of them. Um, I feel like every position um, except maybe the wings with uh, Pascal and OG are up in the air, which is kind of a unique situation to be in for a top team. Um, So let's start with the Raptors backcourt. So as we know, Kyle Lowry is on a one-year deal. One year, I think it's about $30 million expiring contract. Um, And then you have Fred Van Vliet, who is an unrestricted free agent this offseason, up for a ton of money. He's the best free agent on the market, I believe. Um, So I feel like what happens this offseason will tell us a lot about what Masai envisions for this team's future. I feel like if if Kyle um, is traded, it kind of indicates that perhaps we are skewing younger. Um, that perhaps I, I don't want to say that the team is not in contention, but I feel as though keeping Kyle would indicate that he expects to win now, soon, like very soon, within the next two years. Um. I think that keeping Fred Van Vliet, I honestly, beginning of last season, I would have said, um, I don't know if, if he is paid more money. I don't think that the Raptors should try and outbid another team. But now I'm thinking, no, this is this guy's probably the point guard of your future. He's 26 years old. He's extraordinarily talented and just gets better every season. Point guards don't usually bloom and become who they are until their late 20s. He's entering that um, phase of his career. So what do you anticipate for the future of the Raptors backcourt? How do you think it shakes out? Um, I'm understanding of any outcome for a Larry trade, like whether they keep him or whether they trade him for picks. Like I understand what either side is coming from. And I should also note that um, from Masai's um, end of season presser, he sounded like he wanted to keep the team as closely to as is as possible. <laughs> Um, and he seemed interested in the prospect of just kind of running it back and trying to recapture the magic. So um, let me ask you what your opinions are regarding the Raptors backcourt, Iman. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's tough because I kind of saw this year as um, the encore where it was like, OK, Kawhi Leonard left, but we're still going to run everything back and it's going to be the exact same team. And then we'll see what you guys can do. And it obviously didn't work out. The Raptors lost in the second round. Um so so it's tough because I, I kind of thought that, like, okay, that was it, and then you're going to try to figure something out moving forward. Having said that, I think this was such a great year and such a w- weird season that, like, maybe you try to run it back one more time, and my heart wants them to run it back one more time. I personally don't see trading Lowry for picks, only because what are, like... If you're trading Lowry for picks, then you're trading Lowry away to a team that's not good. Like, who are you? That's true. Yeah, if he was traded to a contender, the picks wouldn't be useful. Exactly, so it would have the picks to be are to not a crappy gonna... team, and that would be a waste of a last prime year for Lowry. And I don't think be. I don't like. I think that if the Raptors were to trade Kyle Lowry, it would be for young be, prospects more so. To me, I, I don't even. I think if if the Raptors were to trade Kyle Lowry, in my opinion, it would be a Mark the Soul type deal. Where, hey, we can't win right now. Um, 
So we're going to put you... Thank you for your time here. Thank you for all that you've done here, basically. We're going to put you in a situation that will best use the last years of your career. Um, Marcus Soule was traded to the Raptors, and he he did an interview with Zach Lowe after uh, after they won a championship. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned that they did not get the best package back for Marcus Soule that was offered. They got yeah, the I think the Hornets offered something Marcus far Soul. better. Yeah, they put Marcus Soule in a scenario where he could win a championship. They did that for him, um, and I think that that's a sign of like a really. I think that the Raptors want to uh, or act. They 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 embrace this identity of a family. Um, there are family pictures everywhere. This is that's been their whole thing since Masai Ujiri has come in. Is that they're a family? Yeah. They all have young kids. That chemistry, Every, yeah. They've grown up together. Like Demar's children, Kyle's children, Masai's like literally everyone kind of growing up together. They've really cultivated this like perfect like family energy. I don't think the Raptors screwed Demar. I mean Kyle. <laughs> Forget about tomorrow. I don't know why I said it. I don't think the Raptors are going to screw over Kyle Lowry <laughs> by sending him to a team that's going to give us their young prospects or their draft picks because that means putting Kyle Lowry in a situation where he's not going to win. Um, and no, I you don't bring know up that a good point. You bring up a good point. And to be fair, um, Memphis was in a far more dire situation than the Raptors are. Yeah, you know, uh, the Raptors oh are God, still yeah. a high end top seed <laughs> team. With um, you know, Memphis all-stars. is giving away everybody. <laughs> yeah, like the Raptors. Conley's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kyle is a Kyle was an All Star. Pascal was an All Star. Fred was playing like a fringe All Star in the regular season. Um, yeah. I think that the the Raptors are like like I said, like they're within their right to run this back. Um, but they are yeah. also. I it would also be it wouldn't be pro- like preposterous if they put Kyle in a um. You know, they but the thing is, I can't even say that they put him in a better situation because the Raptors were the number two seed in the in the league. Yeah, that's that's a that's the weird that's thing. A very good point. That's like, a, like that's they a literally had the up. They were beaten by a bet a, a team in a weird situation that just bested them in the last possession of a game seven. Like I would like it's it's like a sixer situation. Do you panic and kind of ruin everything? Or do you just pray no, and run it back? That's a great point. You know, like if for the Sixers, that's, it came that... down to Kawhi's shot in the second round. But they very well, like, it's so scary how similar the situations are. It came to a Kawhi game winner. If they had run it back, they, oh my God, the, the they Sixers would have, if the Sixers beat the Raptors, which they very well could have in overtime, they would have gone to the NBA yeah. Finals. They would, I like. I maintain the same way that I maintain. If Kyle had stayed in the game, the Raptors would have won they, against the Celtics. Raptors would, exactly. If, so. if, if uh, Jimmy, I mean, sorry, if Kawhi had missed that shot and it went into overtime, the Raptors were absolutely gassed. They couldn't get. They anything. said so themselves. Yeah, the they Sixers said so they would have won that series. I think Danny Green said that they, they were exhausted and that they were relieved when he hit that shot. You so. could see they were exhausted. My goodness, that that was a bad. Here's the thing that we don't remember: that was a bad Kawhi Leonard game. Like in terms of oh, like. 30 39 shots on 39 points. Yeah, yeah, like, it was, yeah, which is, like, that's Rudy Gay numbers, you Rudy guys. Gay like, literally Rudy Gay numbers uh, when he banned stats from the from the locker room. He also yeah. hit a big, oh, it's exactly, okay, so I don't, okay, so Rudy Gay, if you guys remember, when he um, banned stats from the locker room, he had uh, shot 11 for 37, which is very similar to whatever Kawhi Leonard did, um, and he hit 
literally a game tie. Like, he hit a buzzer beater in that game to take it to overtime, and then the Raptors ended up losing in overtime. So the parallels here are exactly the same. Kawhi Leonard misses a shot, goes to Van overtime, the Raptors win a block. We, we see this. This is poetry, you guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, that, as, like the, the situation is that, like, like I said, like, why not run it back? Why not just yeah, bank no, on the I fact that? No, I completely agree for, with you on that. Like, yeah, perhaps Pascal comes back next season with more skills, with here's, more, with, yeah, with, with more continuity, thing. sorry, so that he can play a full season See, within the same calendar year. <laughs> See, no, that's the thing, though, because I think if the Raptors bring it back, you kind of know exactly what this team is, right? Like, and it's a damn good team, not taking anything away. You put Kyle Lowry on, because this is what the, the Raptors are, two seed with Kyle Lowry. You right, take right, right, the right. Clippers and you put Kyle Lowry, they are fine. They're, they're, they're the best team in the NBA, point blank period. There are no ifs and uh, ands, buts about Without it. A doubt, yeah. Same thing with the Lakers. You put Kyle Lowry on the Lakers. Now they don't, like, they actually have a, another ball handler outside of, uh you know, LeBron James and nobody's relying on 2020 playoff Rondo he's back because he was back for a game like they're not doing any of that right like you put Kyle Lowry on the the Lakers I think they're far and away the favorites and I think you can do that across the board at any of these um at any of these contenders whereas on the Raptors they are this they're not you know far and away contenders they're this team uh whereas you put them on any other team and i think that they're the best team in the league then yeah you know that's a very valid point so i think ultimately it comes down to what he wants you know yeah that's exactly my whole thing yes yeah does he does he bank on staying and perhaps um you know take a smaller deal to stay during a year where they perhaps get a superstar in 2021 Mm. um perhaps stays with the players that he's mentored he's mentored um, uh, what is it? Four starter, no, three starters on the Raptors team, like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet. He mentored young Marcus <laughs> Literally molded as players um, by uh, Kyle Lowry. Like Kyle Lowry yeah. was the one giving Pascal confidence, running the court as a bench player. Kyle was the one who yeah. basically molded Fred in his image. Kyle was the one who yeah. pressures and talks to and scolds OG on defense continuously And it's the same thing with Terrence Davis, right? Like, thinking about, you know, guys who aren't starting, like, Terrence Davis is very much coming up through the Kyle Lowry for them. Exactly. So does Kyle stay and perhaps further imprint an organization the way he has? I'm going to be honest, I think Kyle cares about winning more than anything else. Yeah, like, does he... Honestly, I do think that he's in a position where he can think about things like... um, you know, does I, I again like I, I think it just comes down to what Masai talks to him about, think, what that conversation I, looks I like. Think, I agree exactly. I think I think more so than what Kyle wants because of course Masai is the one making the deals. I think this comes down to what does Masai Ujiri realistically think this team is going to look like in 2021, 2022? Exactly. Like, yeah. Do does Masai Ujiri realistically think that he can get if not Giannis uh, another superstar? Because I think if if it's a realistic chance and an opportunity that this team is going to have someone where here's the thing about Kyle. I love him. Everybody knows I'm the biggest Kyle Lowry stand. If he is the best player on your team I don't know that you're winning a championship he is a he's going to be like a 35 year old point guard who's under six feet tall like there's just certain limitations and we saw that in terms of like what the Raptors can do on offense we just talked about that with Jimmy Butler being taller than him and that kind of being a a huge difference maker Fred Van Vliet had Jalen Brown all over him couldn't get a shot off like that's part of uh Grant Williams all over him I'm not going to talk about that possession (laughs) um but uh so I think this comes down to 
does Masai Ujiri think how that Kyle Lowry? How confident is, is he? Yeah, in that, is Kyle Lowry going to be the best player on this team next season? And here's the thing, I don't want to hear about Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry is still this team's best player. So it's like, unless Pascal Siakam takes a Giannis-level jump, um, Kyle Lowry is this team's best player. Does Masai Ujiri think that's going or to continue next year? Or unless Kyle regresses a bit, which is a total possibility. But, but, then, like a- but then it comes back to like, well, then this team's not going to compete for anything you might. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's more so like, do yeah, you realistically yeah. think this team is going to win a championship um, next year or the year after. And I get that this year could have been that season, but this was a weird year across the line in the NBA yeah. where there was no team that looked like they were on top. Kevin Durant, I get, is on the wrong side of 30 and coming off of a terrible injury, but he's still Kevin Durant, who was exactly. the best player in basketball when he went down, like the best player in basketball when he went down. I'm, I'm still scared of Kevin Durant. Until Kevin Durant proves that he's not something to be scared of, he will like get that respect and then the Warriors are coming back next year and um, also I, I think it's important to know when Memphis traded uh, Mike Conley and Marcus Saul neither are champions you know yeah like Kyle I mean, Lowry a is point. a champion perhaps Masai does not want to trade in period and thinks that okay you know I was patient with you you became a champion you're gonna stay a Raptor <laughs> hey now like, here's the thing I'm, there's no one who's gonna be upset about Kyle Lowry exactly. on this team. Like, we love him and we I love don't even him think Kyle would be upset about that prospect. <laughs> he might if there's a chance, if there's a chip. If he's, like, on the phone with Kawhi being, like, come here and he's like, <laughs> bro, you're not going to trade me? Oh, that would just uh, break my I, heart I if like, we lose another Raptor to the Clippers. Like, I feel like, I feel like we're sentimental. I don't know that Kyle Lowry, and there's nothing about Kyle Lowry that screams sentimental to me. I, I will say this year he was kind of mushy. <laughs> Like, maybe, maybe he's, he's absolutely not, but this year I felt that he was kind of mushy. Like <laughs> even when he like stayed here that... and he wrote his home. Sorry. Even when he wrote his like players tribune, like I'm even when he wrote his like players tribune, I'm coming home thing. I was just like, it was more so this... about him. Like I, I was just like that. Nah. Like it, to me, it was just like this is cute that he wrote this. Like I don't actually like it. Very you you tried to go to the Spurs, buddy. Like you tried to go elsewhere. <laughs> they weren't. They didn't want you. But we wanted you, and we'd love you, and you won a championship here. So but wait, shout before out to you. we move on to the front court, let's talk about Fred VanVleet. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I did you. I was try. I didn't know that you caught that. I was trying not to bring him up. I was like, let me talk as much as I'm I can dead. about Kyle. Um, no, but in in all honesty, um, I think my thing about Fred VanVleet, and you mentioned him as a starting point guard, which you know, like just like triggers a nerve inside of me. But um, I think. We talked about this earlier in the podcast where it's like OG Ananobi can be that wing guy if you have everyone else around him being that star. And I think that's similar to Fred Van Vliet's role Mm -hmm. as a point guard, Mm -hmm. whereas if he's not necessarily the team's best playmaker on the court and ball handler, and you have Pascal Siakam, who I think can very much, you know, is a point forward. um, And then, you know, the goal is to get Giannis. I think that Fred VanVleet can work perfectly in that system. That's what I'm thinking. That's what Um, I'm thinking. I think if he has capable, talented wings around him, he could be like an excellent, um, you know, I love what Fred does in transition. I love the, I love his patience. I love his pace. Um, He's obviously flawed. But I think it's important to remember, like, for short point guards, um, they it takes time for them to, like, kind of percolate and become who they're supposed to be, you know? Um, but I think that he is, like, he, like, you see it in him. Like, even if he struggles, you see this, like, he is a cutthroat shooter. Like, this guy can, like, I, I trust in fact. And even though he, like, his finishing is not great. Uh, which can improve. It, it, like, he, the way that he's improved in that sense, like... I, 
He's the improved tools are in there that for- sense. Uh, you're cutting out for me. Sorry, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Um, no, I was just saying, like, the way that he's improved in there, like, I think F- Fred in transition right now is, like, an automatic, like, you're you're getting those points, it's automatic, and, and that's growth in his game, and I think we see it, like, his three-point shooting is, he's the best three-point shooter on this team, we see Fred as, like, I, I think he's a great scorer, and what we saw in the playoff, I swear to you, I swear to you, he hit more mid-range jumpers in the playoffs than he did all regular Absolutely, season. yeah, yeah, I saw that too, I, like, I saw that too. And there was probably like four, so it's maybe not a lot that it. I'm counting, but four is more than he did all regular <laughs> season. <laughs> I so think that's a career there, high. there's something to that, and you see the growth in his game in certain ways. I just don't know that I watch him, and, and yeah, maybe the playmaking has grown, but I'm not like, I don't trust it as much. Like, I don't trust like an offense when it's, when Kyle is out, and Mark is out, and I see Fred uh, running the team and it's Fred and a bunch lacking. of bench players. There's something lacking where I'm like, this is stagnant. This like, there's nothing that's happening that like makes me feel confident in the I Raptors think, being able to capitalize. I think Fred developing that floater, that mid range game, that small point guards need so badly, which he yeah. absolutely can. He's shown that he can just add skill. Like we saw him um, develop an even deeper three. That was sustainable all season long. But he's got to. You're short. You need to. Exactly. So I don't see how he doesn't develop a mid-range shot or a floater. Like, he, I think it's in his card. I swear to you, he hit more in that Celtics series <laughs> than, I, than he it was did so str- all season. I yelped every time I saw it. Um, but, but it was four, like four, so it's not a lot. It was like three when, In order to become like that pick-and-roll threat, that I think that's just the thing that's missing from his game, the pick-and-roll play, which can be something that they develop next season if they keep him. But for him yeah. to develop that, he needs to have an in-between game. P- players know that if they just yeah. roam the rim, he won't finish. If they uh, run him off the line, he can't really do anything inside the arc. Hey, so and that's why Lowry's that, been so, yeah, Exactly. Sure. So if he kind of just, you know, we saw it, we saw it, for Kyle as well at this age in his mid to late 20s where things started to kind of click for him. You know what I mean? He improved slightly as a shooter before kind of just breaking out, uh, I think, in 2016. But, but I think like, that's Kyle's thing where, like, in 2014, I feel like it was shooting that was his thing. Like, I think that, like, even yeah, in it's his the other way around where he like, had the mid, he was a great finisher and he had that in-between game, but... He and he like saw a, the floor. Like, I, I trusted that he was a point guard, right? Like, you, like right. there's something about a point guard. And that's my thing. It's like, I'm not slandering Fred Van Vliet in any way, shape, or form. I, I trust that Fred Van Vliet can become... Here's the thing. I trust that he can become a, a threat in the pick and roll. Like, I trust that he can develop that mid-range shot. And if he does that, then, like, yeah, this team takes it to another level. But there's something... And maybe it's being spoiled by having Kyle Lowry, who I think has just I been the best is. point guard... <laughs> Uh, who I think has been the best point guard in the, the Eastern East. Conference for the last decade. Um, there, there's something about watching a guy who just has, I don't know if it's the spatial awareness, I don't know if it's the recognition of where everyone is on the floor and the clock management, but the playmaking that he, like, the the way that, I, I just don't know that Fred necessarily has that. And here's I the think thing, he, I don't know I, that he I, needs it. I will say, you're right, he doesn't have it yet. But he has made strides. I think he averaged seven assists um, this season, and Kyle obviously had more. <laughs> I think that there's a difference, like when people like, uh, and this has been said, where it's like, well, yeah, look, Kyle's on the floor with 
uh, Fred, and, and here's DeMar DeRozan improved as a playmaker. Like, it's very much doable, whereas DeMar DeRozan and mind had you, oh, DeMar zero is an playmaking. playmaker now. And he had yeah. zero, he had zero playmaking when he came in. Like, DeMar DeRozan was literally an athlete that could dunk the basketball and turned into this superstar. So, like, it's it's very much doable. And mm. so, uh, my thing with, with Fred Van Vliet is, like, if the Raptors continue to develop Pascal point on forward, which, which, yeah, which um, I, I trust that they will. Um, then I think that Fred Van Vliet can be that point guard for the team. But I also worry about us talking about this team and building it with, all right, well, this guy has this limitation. And this is 100% being spoiled by having Kyle Lowry and then a season of Kawhi Leonard. But th- there's something to like, this guy has this limitation in this role, but we want him in this role if this person can also be in this role and it fits like da 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 Like, I feel like there... <sighs> Maybe all of this can just be alleviated if Fred, like, if uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam turn into the players a, yeah. that we expect them to be. Yeah. But if they don't, then I think that this roster just has a lot of flaws. Like, if you don't get Giannis, which, I mean, like, it's kind of a pipe dream as much Giannis, as we want it. A, half the league is a free agent in 2021. So <laughs> sure, if they, but like, they have uh, their pick of the crop sure, if they don't 100%. get it. 100%. If they For don't sure. get Giannis. For sure. Obviously, if, getting Giannis would kind of transform this team from being fringe contenders uh, like they are to being ac- an actual dynasty. <laughs> Yo, you <laughs> give me Giannis, I want Fred as my point guard every Absolutely. single day. Can you imagine day. if Giannis, can you, let me just say this every, <laughs> so we have it on like, audio. Yeah. Can you imagine Giannis having Fred Van Vliet open in the wing instead of Bledsoe? Oof, my God. Yo. <laughs> we need to talk about the limitations of a team. Like they There's really no were like. There's no wall. There, there There's can't no be. Wall. There no really can't be. If your point guard is Fred Van Vliet. You will be having oh single God. coverage or double teams at all times. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the the Bucks really were this amazing team with three people in their starting lineup who couldn't shoot a three worth a damn. Like, how like is that even the doable? audacity? The audacity. How is that doable? <laughs> and then and then there's one guy who can can't dribble worth a damn. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that team is a problem. I can't the believe we thought the, that they the would time, be it. The timeline simultaneously realizing Chris Middleton can't dribble was so entertaining. <laughs> uh, like, and that's my little, I've been on that since Kyle Lowry stole the ball from him last yeah. year. I was just like, wait, this man cannot he literally did the exact same thing Chris Middleton uh, and on it there was there was a possession oh my god in the start of the year no no no. it was the start of the year it was against Utah um where uh, Giannis fouls out yo I was just like this man is a fraud I don't want to hear it from anyone Giannis fouls out it was against um Utah there was like the 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 Bucks I want to say had like a lead or was tied or something and um it, the ball goes to Chris Middleton, and he's supposed to. I think he was supposed to hit like a three over Boyan. Uh, I don't even remember it, but he like completely bricks there. He loses the ball. I want to say he loses the ball, and on the other possession, Boyan hits the same three in the exact same position, the exact same spot on the floor, right over Chris Middleton's yep, head. Like Chris Middleton literally was just like, First "You cannot guard me." And you cannot dribble in front of me because I will snatch it from you. And as soon as Giannis fouled out, it was an L for them. Just like as soon as Larry fouled out for the Raptors, it was an L for us. I mean, all things come full circle. Um, but to answer your question, I think that the Raptors should keep Fred Van Vliet. Like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't keep Fred Van Vliet. I think that they should. I worry about what the cost will be. Yeah, um, like, no, if I we're talking about 25 mil, 
Hill, I'm kind of like, have fun in New York. (laughs) Have fun in New York. Like, God bless you. I'm going to be cheering for you every time I turn on a Knicks game. I don't want the Raptors to be in a situation where they overpay him and end up, like, with a point guard that doesn't quite fit, like, Kemba on the Celtics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a real issue. So what are you comfortable with? You have a point guard that's, he's tremendously talented, but then you look at the cost going forward and you're like, yeah, there's a hole that cannot be filled uh, with the space that we have. Honestly, yeah. I've seen some flaws in Kemba's game. Like, I think I was a bigger Kemba believer before this playoffs than I am now. Oh, absolutely. It's very different <laughs> when you're on the Hornets. I'm like, um, yo, yeah, it was so different when you're on the Hornets because I was like, yo, the Hornets are bringing this man down. Like, surrounded with yeah, some right. players. And it was just like, oh, He's Kemba just like ain't a it. Great value. He's a great value Kyrie. That's exactly what he is. Like, Kemba he's Kyrie, but not it, quite it, as electric. No. Yeah, when he's on, it's beautiful to watch. Which oh, is something yeah. else that we do. We overrate players that have aesthetically pleasing games. That's what we do. And, Kemba, and we let their hot streaks. We let their hot streaks carry them versus their. Um, oh yeah, we completely floor. ignore. We ignore the fact that for like seventy percent of the time they're just this guy. Because for thirty percent of the time when they're on, who is special? It's beautiful. Yeah, same with uh, <laughs> it's the Marcus Smart effect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when so he's what, hitting those what are you threes. comfortable? Oh god. But anyways, before what we What are you comfortable um, with for, for, for Fred? What are you comfortable with? I'm gonna with? I'm gonna say um the sweet spot is twenty million. Yeah. Nineteen to twenty million. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, eighteen to twenty two is what I expect he gets. Yeah, exactly. Then, like, so I that I say twenty million, give or take two million going up or down. That's the ideal. Deep, bro. Uh, absolutely, but I you know, I I think that Fred's floor is really high. Yeah, I think Kemba. Yeah, hundred percent. His floor, like at his worst, ke- ca- uh, Fred is he still can catch and shoot threes. And <laughs> defense. Yeah, because he can, because he can still defend, and yeah, yo. he can still defend, and he can still hit open shots. So if his playmaking's not working, if he's having turnovers, if he can't finish, he's still. Yo, a point I trust guard you Fred want. to have like the the Curry Trey Young range by next season. Like I see it. Yo, that that undrafted no storyline. For no reason, he's going to be taking shots at the logo. Like for no reason. Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I, I, I will say this season has given me like the prospect of paying Fred adequately was so scary before the season. After seeing him, I'm like, I can see this guy just going upward. I'm going to say though, to 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 play devil's advocate because I I definitely see it with Fred. Like I, I like I know that I come off as a Fred hater, but I don't. I just like I've been <laughs> in love with with Kyle Lowry, and I've been spoiled for the last however many years. And you're yeah. going to tell me. And here's the thing: Raptor fans were talking crazy. They were talking about Fred VanVleet being a better player than Kyle Lowry. Like they were saying a bunch yes. of crazy things, oh right? So like the, there was defensiveness that came because I hate you guys as human beings. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> um, but. But I think my thing with Fred is, like, it's easy to say, um, it's easy to talk about his growth when he plays in a starting lineup alongside Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol. I will say um, Fred's best games come when Kyle is not playing. Like, his numbers when Kyle is not playing are ridiculous. As a, as a scorer? Just across the board, he gets, to, like, he will have, like, nine assists. He will have uh, upwards of 20 points. He okay, really put, I'm not remembering you know, anything outside of the Los Angeles Lakers game. And that was a great right. game. So I'm, I can't I can't argue with you because the only had, game I remember um, was the Lakers game. Was and it? he was phenomenal in that one. So I, I, can't, I can't even say anything. All right, so moving on to our final question is the question mark of the five rotation for the Toronto Raptors. So as we know... Marcus Gasol was the starting five 
throughout the season. He was last season too, um, except for a few games in the beginning when he was getting integrated into the Raptors offense. And then you have Serge Ibaka off the bench who, you know, might I note uh, is what, you know, widely overqualified for being a bench player, but you know, um, the Raptors didn't need extra offense off of uh, in that in that starting lineup in particular. Their starting five was among the best offensive starting fives in the NBA. But that scoring punch that Serge provided off the bench really carried them uh, through these playoffs when Mark was struggling. Um, so what do you see moving forward? Like, I think it's widely agreed upon that Mark has perhaps given the Raptors his last best year with that championship run and so you know that subsequent run with um the Spanish national team um what do you see um them doing moving forward in order to shore up that position because that position seems to be seems to be the one that's most up in the air throughout the roster yeah i think it's tough and it kind of uh, all of the raptors questions this off season is are we making moves for next year or is it a long term um, type of situation because if you're trying to run it back for next season I just I feel like Serge Ibaka is just going to cost too much money where um, if you want to free up cap space for 2021 paying Fred of course that's number one on the Raptors priority list I think this season um, and then pr- paying uh, Serge Ibaka and then you're going to have to figure out if you want to give an extension to OG Ananobi, which they're probably not going to do. They're probably going to let him go to restricted free agency just to keep up as much cap right. space as uh, uh, open as possible. But you still have like all of this money that you're tying into different people. I don't necessarily know that you can get Serge Ibaka in one year. I think Serge Ibaka has looked like, like you said, he's overqualified to be a bench player. He's also worked himself into a, a nice long-term deal if he wants to, if he wants to get Agreed. that. He's over the age of 30. There's no need for him to risk and gamble any type of injury situation or anything like that, he might as well just make his money, Um, especially because we don't know what the cap situation is going to look like moving forward. We don't know what this year is going to look like, but we definitely don't know next year. It's not like cases are dropping anywhere. Um, That could be the one reason why he may consider a bloated one-year deal because perhaps the cap is too low for teams to extend him out there and he may wait until things become a little bit back to normal. Exactly. So it's like... That's the only circumstance I can see. So it's like... If you can, if if you can get Serge Ibaka to agree to a one-year deal, I think that that's what you do. I don't know it, and it's so hard to tell. I don't think he knows if that's what he wants. Like you said, exactly. Yeah. You just don't know moving forward what the cap situation is going to look like. So maybe one year bloated is better than like three or four years at lesser money. <laughs> um, but, but I think that that's kind of the biggest thing where it's like, hey, Serge, do you want to stay for a year? If you can get that done, you do it. You do it at no matter, like you just, you do it. Um, if that's not doable, then I I think you can maybe even look at Mark and say, hey, Mark, do you want to do a one year? Um, yeah. Because he's still serviceable. He's still, um, you know. Off the bench, I think he's serviceable, definitely. And and he, like. Maybe switch them. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. And, like, hey, if we're saying that four months off hurt Pascal Siakam, maybe it also hurt Mark Gasol. Because it's not like he was having a bad regular season either, right? So um, I, I think that it's it's fair to kind of um, try him back for one year. 
Um, and it's not like he's going to be paid anywhere. It's almost like he comes back to the Raptors for a year or he's gone uh, out of the mm-hmm. NBA. So maybe you can work out a deal that way. Um, but but I think that that's what the Raptors should do just because there's so much that's up in the air. So you try to bring back either Serge right. or Mark to one-year deal. Um, and uh, if Serge wants to stay at that, perfect. If Mark has got to be the one to stay at that, then roll with that. Right. And I think they found some success with their small ball lineups uh, moving forward that can perhaps, you know, kind of supplement OG at the um, five. any matchup issues. Yeah, OG at the five has proven to be um, really something um, I think that they're going to look to uh, kind of uh, further use in the future. Oh, like, you know, definitely. But you still um, need a big. Like, and that's why Marcus Ole might just be that guy. Exactly, exactly. I yeah I, I'm saying it, like in terms of like the Celtics matchup was a great example where they were willing to use it in order to get the upper hand. I think it would be cool if they're if that kind of becomes a feature of the offense for stints in games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something they went to a lot at all in the regular season. Only when uh, both our centers were literally injured, <laughs> did we. I mean, they had that a luxury of having two really great centers, right? So it's kind of like exactly um, two styles. Yeah, and I think, like, we, we talked about playoffs being matchup-based. So, to me, it's like, yeah, you maybe want to keep um, a guy like Marcus Gasol in case you have to go up against a guy like Joel Embiid. Maybe um, maybe right. that's what you're seeing in the playoffs. Maybe you're... you're there are going to be teams where a Marcus Gasol is going to be valuable against, at least having a traditional big is going to be valuable against, but I definitely agree that we're going to see a lot uh, more small ball moving forward for the Toronto Raptors, especially if you're trying to, if you're trying to get Giannis here, you gotta, you gotta figure out who's going to play the five there. Uh, Giannis. (laughs) 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 Honestly, I'd love to see him in a BAM role. So, um, you know, I think if he had a point guard that can kind of unlock him, that would be the future for him. But, yeah, so um, those are the questions. You know, I didn't really talk too much about Pascal and OG because, you know, we know Masai is swears by those guys. He didn't trade them for Kawhi. Um, I think that's that, that the, those two guys are just core parts of the future he envisions for the team uh, moving forward and coupling them with, you know, the perfect uh, star to take them over the edge. I think that's the goal for 2021. And to be fair, I think that, the the play of the season from you know from the regular season of both players the play from Fred like I just see 2021 um, the Raptors have really put themselves in a position where a superstar is comfortable looking at the roster and saying hey I can insert myself here and see this team being favorites at the end of the day you know um but yeah so are there any other um tidbits about the starting five that you wanted to discuss or did we cover everything I think we covered everything yeah, I think the only other thing would be OG, and I agree with you saying that they probably wait till he hits unrestricted free agency. Yeah, you just have to um, for money or restricted free agency yeah, rather yeah. Uh, on on his rookie deal. So I think it just makes more sense to uh, take the gamble. Uh, perhaps they will be end end up overpaying him, but they can afford to go over. What we're seeing is already... it, it's so rare now. Like I don't know that teams are really trying to do that just because they know that the Raptors are going to match, right? Like what team is really going to tie up cap space in a free agency? Like like, 2021 is the free agency, right? Like, so many guys are are um, are free agents right, half a week, right. so you're really going to tie up money. On a young on, 3 and D player, on I don't OG think so. On OG yeah. when you know that the Raptors are going to match anyway, like, what's the point in tying up your money and not going after true, other guys? Because that's, a good that's point. kind of how, that's how free agency works, right? So it's like, hey, I want OG Ananobi. I'm whatever team that's going after him. Well, now the Raptors can wait 
to, to match while they go and peruse and look for other guys because we know that they're going to match whatever offer OG gets. So I just feel like teams are going to be put off by that scenario, especially because we don't know what the cap situation is going to look like. So they're probably not going to have as mm-hmm. much money to work with. So there's they're mm-hmm. not going to be tying it up in, with, in OG when like Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James and the whole world uh, comes off the <laughs> Exactly. is a free agent at that time. Um Anyways, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining me on this episode, Iman. Hopefully in the future, we'll get to talk about the Raptors bench. Um, sorry, uh, we not only would we be discussing the NBA Finals, but hopefully we'll be able to discuss the Raptors bench rotation um, and the futures of a lot of players there. I think that's a super interesting case because... You know, we know that the Raptors love establishing a bench mob. They love establishing a unit that has great chemistry and that can thrive versus other starters, really. Um, So thank you, everyone, for listening to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Um, We'll be speaking to you next week to talk about the NBA Finals and to discuss uh, the Raptors bench rotation and what the future looks like uh, for those bench units. So thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.